You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast. The voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Welcome to Business Women Australia podcast. The podcast for ambitious women who are serious about business success and leadership development. Keen to increase their knowledge and skills. And welcome to another episode of Business Women Australia podcast. This is episode 10. My name's Anne-Marie Cross and I'm known as the podcasting queen. Now, according to my guest today, data visualization has been one of the biggest growth areas of her business. She says clients are looking for new and innovative ways to engage their target market and infographics and animations create visual tools for doing that. Joining me on today's show is Kristen Turnbull. She is a highly motivated and passionate researcher with 13 years experience in financial services and seven years in the market research industry. She's the director of Core Data WA and they're based in Perth. She's responsible for business development, client relationship management and project management across a diverse client base. She's passionate about helping companies better engage with and understand the needs of their customers. Kristen is capable of driving business growth through a variety of research methods, including market segmentation, customer experience research, brand tracking, mystery shopping, performance benchmarking, stakeholder engagement, and market intelligence. Now, on today's show, Kristen's going to share how to turn the data that you have on your business into actionable insights to drive your business's growth, why it's important to segment your customer base for effective engagement, as well as why Core Data is partnering with Business Women Australia to canvas the views of Australian female business leaders and so much more. So welcome to the show, Kristen. Thanks very much, Amory. Data, particularly how we're really able to leverage that in our business for business growth is really incredible and I think so often untapped, yes? Oh, absolutely. And I think part of the reason for that is because a lot of businesses actually struggle with what to do with that information. So mm. they, they might be collecting it, um, you know, in today's digital world with so many interacting online with customers and transacting online, they've got all this information they're gathering, but they don't actually know how do I use that data to to turn it into something more meaningful. So I think that's why a lot of this data goes untapped. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be able to turn that around now with you sharing your insights and how we can turn data that we have on our business more into actionable insights to drive business growth. What are some of the key things that you see that you're doing and, and also working with your clients that is really generating some great results? I think it's really about having a process in place for how you take that data and, and turn it into insights and turn it into a narrative. So mm -hmm. one of the things that we do with clients um, if we're looking to to develop our business intelligence for them is to actually firstly look at what are you actually trying to achieve? So what are your business objectives and how do the, the research objectives actually link into that? And then once you've determined that, it's really about looking at what data exists within your business that can you can leverage to actually help you achieve those goals mm -hmm. um, and are there gaps that you actually need to fill to, to be able to build out that picture. So, you know, a lot of companies we work with, they have reams of information, but it's not necessarily stored or organized in a way that allows them to analyze that effectively. So, mm -hmm. it's about working with them to, to look at how we can help them do that and go through a bit of a database cleansing process to actually help them say, okay, well, here are the gaps we have in the business um, in terms of the information gaps. And then, 
you know, are they critical for the research objectives? And if they are, then the next step would be to actually look at uh, how you would fill those gaps, whether you need to do some um, primary research where you're actually going to your market and your customers and asking them for, for information, or can you fill those gaps perhaps through secondary research using other people's data? Mm -hmm. So to, to summarise, I guess the process is, you know, what are your objectives? Um, what data do you have that you can leverage? Where are the information gaps? And then what's the best way for you to actually fill those gaps? Yeah, love that. I think process is always very important. If you're thinking about, you know, some of the clients that you work with and the data that they may already be compiling that could be incredibly uh, beneficial, but yet they're not leveraging it because they don't know how to use it. What typical, what data is, is there typical data that, that, that you say to, to your clients, look, if we start to really re research on this area or start to look at the information that you're already compiling, it can generate some great results. What kind of data are we collecting that we're not leveraging? Oh, look, there's, there's so much. It's sort of almost hard to isolate one particular thing. Mm. Um, I mean, if you take a superannuation fund as an example, um, you will have someone um, going onto their website, calling their call centre, potentially receiving financial advice. Uh, checking their account balance. Um, there are all these range of indicators you can look at that can actually build a picture of who that person is, what sort of services are they looking for from, from you, um, how likely are they to actually remain a customer in the future because often with a lot of businesses we work with we actually find that sometimes when that engagement goes up and they're interacting more with the, co the company that can actually be a warning sign that uh, they're actually becoming more active because they're actually looking to leave. So ah. engagement's a little bit of a double-edged sword sometimes in that way. So I guess, again, I'd link it back to what are the research objectives in terms of looking at what data you have and, and how you can use that because ultimately, you know, it's really about what you want to do with that data and, and what type of picture you're trying to build that would lead you to look at which are the aspects you need to um, to take and, and build on. Mm. So in that instance, then I think then looking at, okay, so what are our research objectives? What do we want to do? Do we want to increase our database? So with potential clients that we can continue to nurture, or do we want to to invigorate some of the people on our database to, to get them to take that next step right through to increasing our conversion to maintaining, you know, sustainable business relationships? So right across the spectrum then, I'd say that any business is already thinking about, wants to achieve, can then be reverse engineered, if you will, to then say, if we compile this key data, we're able to then give you an idea of where the gaps are, what steps need to be taken so that we can start to achieve the right steps and the right processes to achieve the goals. Is that kind of how you're using it with clients? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is it about growth or is it about retention? Mm. Um, is it about understanding why customers are leaving or how you can get appeal to a different type of customer? So, yeah, absolutely. You can reverse engineer it. And I think um, one of the big growth areas we've seen recently is in businesses looking at uh, segmenting their database in different ways. Yes. So, traditionally, um, you know, traditionally people were um, often incorporating demographics into the way that they uh, engage with their, their customers. So mm -hmm. they were, um, you know, breaking down people by age or gender or postcode. But I think we've, we've moved forward from that 
today and, and, and now a lot of our clients are looking at how they can incorporate some of those psychographic drivers into that segmentation process to actually really look at you know, what are the inherent behaviours and preferences and lifestyles that actually influence what their customers are doing and, and what they're saying. So I think that's a, a really big area that the, the businesses should be looking at is how are they actually using that market segmentation to drive more meaningful connections and engagements with their, their customer base. Mm. So if we're thinking about the psychographics then and, and the inherent behaviours, what you were saying earlier about sometimes uh, an indication of increased engagement from a client, so an existing customer may be contacting you, maybe emailing for more information or confirmation about what's going on with their account, that kind of thing, can actually be a determining factor that, hang on a minute, they're doing research so that they've got information because they may make a shift so in other words if we've got that in our process then then you kind of then know right well what do we need to do before that to stop them from getting to that stage so this data that we're collecting then very much can support us in putting steps into place to ensure that that customer remains a customer just as an example yes Absolutely. And that's where things like predictive analytics can play a really big role in actually helping you work out what are those trigger signs, mm -hmm. um, how can you identify them earlier and then take um, inter intervention essentially to stop that from happening. So, so predictive analytics can be used to, you know, identify when customers are, are more likely to to leave you they can be used to look at um, how you what type of customer is is looking for you know where there's a potential cross-sell opportunity um, that you could be talking to someone if they if they take a certain action that you know typically implies that they're going to do something that relates to a product or service that you have to offer it really allows you to um, almost be preemptive in the way that you're dealing with your customers and making mm -hmm. sure that um, you know, those those interactions that you have with them are more meaningful in terms of them being much more likely to enable your own business growth because you can see what's happening and you're using that data to build out that picture um, in a predictive way. Yes. One of the things that I mentioned within the introduction was that some of this information is being incorporated into infographics and animations to create visual tools. And as we know, you know, for people that are marketing online, creating content, infographics and definitely animations too are a great way to share information data that often will be shared by many many people therefore elevating you know your business's reputation as a thought leader or someone that really does keep their finger on the pulse within the industry so they're great ways to really build influence within your industry aren't they yeah absolutely and I think you know um, content is, is so critical for any business and the way that you do that I think research always plays a really um, key role there in terms of having those statistics to put into whether it's blogs or, um, or white papers but I think more recently as you say there's been this push towards infographics and presenting the data through animations and in a more visual way um, really to try and I guess cut through all the noise that, that people are facing um, in, in a marketing in, the, in a marketing sense and and help you actually build those meaningful connections because I think for me engagement is all about how you connect 
make a connection with your customer. So mm. if you can do that in a social context through um, an infographic, as you say, that can be shared multiple times or people can, can comment on it and engage with it, um, I think it's just a, a new and interesting way of presenting information really that um, businesses have realised realized that they can really leverage um, because people today are much less likely to sit down and read a 30-page um, paper that you've put out than they are to to see something on Facebook or LinkedIn and, and share that with their friends. So it can really build that um, that social growth and following for you, I guess. Mm, absolutely. And I know for many, uh, if we look at some of the traditional media, such as radio, TV, they're always looking for information, particularly if you've got editors in a specific space, you know, if they're in your industry, if you're sharing this relevant up-to-date data that you have continued as a business to compile and then share across the various mediums, you know, infographics, reports, that kind of thing, often then you will find that the media will approach you to find out more information. So then giving you more publicity and opportunities to to get awareness of your business yes absolutely I think the, the media love a statistic um, I actually used to be a journalist myself oh, so um, <laughs> in my past life I know how important it is to have um, you know facts and evidence when you're when you're writing about things so I think that by incorporating those into um, into the message that you're selling essentially in the market and you know, incorporating some of those key statistics around your business and what your business is doing, yeah, you're much more likely to get the media's attention and they're always looking for, for short and sharp um, focused sort of pieces that they can use. Um, obviously, there's so much pressure to, to get things out to market and so much content that has to be produced. So, whatever you can do to try and um, increase the likeliness that your brand is going to get more exposure is, is, is really important. Yeah. I've already, we've already mentioned, um, you know, about market segmentation. So in other words, where organisations need to be aware that it's not just demographics, but certainly psychographics. In the introduction, I said that you also supported businesses across research methods that included customer experience research, brand tracking, mystery shopping, performance benchmarking, stakeholder engagement and market intelligence. Let's just talk really briefly about some of the things within each of those that you would be looking at and how it can really support a business in, in, in their growth if they did do do some research projects within that certain area. Let's talk about customer experience research. How would that look? Uh, so, so typically customer experience research might be um, a satisfaction survey where mm. you're wanting to find out um, how people are feeling about the products or services that you're offering from them, um, what needs to change, what could you improve, uh, how likely are they to remain a customer in the future. Um, we often incorporate measures around net promoter score, so how likely are they to actually refer you um, to friends and family. Uh, at Cordata, we, we think that that's an important measure, but we're quite wary that um, it, it really is only one part of the picture, so we always make sure that there's quite a lot more depth than just looking at that NPS score and the reason mm. being is that we know uh, from our research that a lot of people in their nature just aren't typically like to likely to refer, particularly when it comes to higher value decisions or, or higher risk decisions. So you shouldn't place too much store on that um, mm. net promoter score really when you're looking at your, your customer experience. It, it's important to capture but it's part of a bigger picture. So it's really about sort of again working out what are the research objectives and then you know that will sort of frame up what the question set looks like for that customer experience research and it might not just be a survey it might also be that you run some focus groups or some in-depth interviews with your customers to find out what's really going on and how you can improve things but typically it's about you know 
businesses wanting to understand how they can get profitable growth. So how they can increase sales, increase revenue, increase increase profit, uh, increase customer satisfaction. So they're mm. essentially some of the key reasons why people would undertake that kind of research. Perfect. What about brand tracking? How does that look? What does that entail? Yeah, so brand tracking is really about understanding how your brand's perceived in the broader market. Are people aware of your brand? Um, you know, how aware of are they of you versus some of your competitor set? Uh, are you someone that's a top of mind brand? Um, so, you know, when they're not prompted, do they think of your brand when they t think about your the specific industry or do they need to actually be shown a list that includes your brand to, to then think of you? And, and that's important because if you're not, if someone's not aware of you, they can't buy from you. So mm. I think that awareness is a really critical measure. And then another thing we look at with brand tracking is um, the consideration piece. So um, if they are aware of you, you know, how likely are they to to buy products or services from you? So it's about understanding how your business is perceived and also how it's perceived um, in the broader set of competitors that you're operating against and then using some of those insights to to either shift your focus, um, maybe you need to focus more on awareness or maybe you're finding that people are actually highly aware of you but they're not buying from you so something else is breaking down in that process. So it can it can really help brands to, to work out where they should focus their marketing budget to, to get more bang for their buck. Mm. Mystery shopping, I'm sure, is something that many of us heard about. But to, let's talk into that. What sort of benefits is that going to generate for our business and what might that look like? Yeah, so mystery shopping um, we find is commonly used where there's um, management of feeling perhaps a little bit blind to what's actually going on uh, at the coalface. Mm. So they might use mystery shopping to to actually get some first-hand insights from the prospective customers to, to help them understand their sales process and where any gaps might be and then that can inform training and education with their, their, their staff. So it's typically used by businesses where there's an intermediary involved and the management wants a clearer picture of what's actually happening and why someone isn't perhaps becoming a customer in a service-based industry or what is it that, that's breaking down? Is it Was it about the experience that they had with that particular person one-on-one -on -one or that that interaction or was it more about the price or the cost of the, the product or service? So I think mystery shopping can be can be really useful and, and one of the things that we do a little bit differently to some other businesses in this space uh, in when we do mystery shopping in the financial services space is that we use real customers. So if we're doing mystery shopping on, um, on the banks and mortgage companies, then we'll actually use someone who's in the market for a mortgage. Um, we won't use a professional shopper and likewise, mm -hmm. if we want to uh, do mystery shops in financial planning, we use someone that's in the market for an advisor. So it just gives you that truer picture of what's going on because you're not using professional shoppers. You're actually using people who are in the market for that product or service that we're asking them to shop. Yeah, brilliant because they're really very much um, interested and, and going to, to measure far more accurately because they need to make a decision. So I can see yeah, how that absolutely. can benefit. Yeah. Let's talk about performance benchmarking. So is this internal or external or both for an organisation? Yeah, it can, it can be both really. Um, so it might be that you're wanting to look at, you know, for example, a piece of research we did um, recently was looking around internal culture. So it might be that you have a year-on-year -year, um, KPI within the business to um, improve your, your culture within your business. And so you might look to do an employee survey that helps you benchmark that. Or it could be externally where you want to understand 
how how the service that you're providing actually stacks up against competitors in the industry. So someone might commission us to to look at um, a piece of research that helps them benchmark their brand against their competitors mm. and look at where their strengths and weaknesses lie. So it can really it can really be used for both purposes. Fantastic stakeholder engagement. Yeah, stakeholder engagement. This is a common uh, process that we'll go we'll go through as part of a broader project. So it might be for a market segmentation project, for example. And one of the most important things to get right when you're doing market segmentation, or really undertaking any research inside your business, is making sure that everybody inside the organisation is clear about the objectives and is essentially on the bus. So that stakeholder engagement process will allow you to really understand what the challenges are for the business from a range of different perspectives. And that's important because you need to make sure that your objectives tie into what different stakeholders are trying to achieve. So going through that process makes sure that you're not throwing money against a problem you didn't have or you're not going to get to the end of the process and find you've either got outcomes that you can't use or you've got a management team that's resistant to change because they were never on board in the first place and Mm. they're not willing to make the changes in the organisation that are necessary to drive that transformation. So stakeholder engagement is is really, I guess, a necessary evil if you're going to get to the right um, outcomes for the business that you're working with. Yeah, so important. And then lastly, you've mentioned market intelligence. What does that look like and how can that benefit our business? Yeah, market intelligence, I guess, is really broad. It could be that um, you're looking to launch a new product or service and you want to test that in the market and see if there's actually an appetite for that. Uh, it could be that you want to, you're thinking of expanding geographically or into a new type of customer segment and you want to look at what's the size of that particular market uh, and how you can you know, best access that. Um, so, you know, market intelligence can, I guess, encompass a whole range of things, but it's really about understand better understanding your market um, and helping you, I guess, make more informed decisions about the way you go about accessing that market. Yeah. And, you know, compiling all of this information, I think, it's, and everything that you've mentioned is so important and having that objective then going and that's going to determine how you collect the data and, and what's done with it. But often when people do have data, it's just data for data's sake it's all right so how's this how are we going to use this data then in in order to make some key decisions so that we can start to generate the outcome that we're looking for so typically I would imagine that if you're working with some an organization you help them end to end but then also in your presentation of the information that you've now compiled you'd present it in a way that then is actionable Is, is, is that the right question to ask so in other words what you then would determine is the best step forward for the business to do with this data and how they should implement, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we talk a lot about actionable intelligence um, mm. and, you know, it, it might sound like a phrase that you just throw around but we really believe that there's absolutely no point in undertaking a, a project or, or going through this process of, of doing a piece of research and then having that report sit on the shelf and gather dust. So yeah. you, you need to, the business needs to understand and that's part of our job not just what the results are, but what are the implications and how they can manage through that process of change. So there is a big change management piece that often comes with a lot of research um, projects and as part of our role is to help businesses when we translate those insights at the end of it, um, understand what those next steps are and, and how they can 
progress along along that um, to actually make sure that they get the changes that they need within the organisation to ultimately drive that business growth. Yeah, I think that's important. Why I ask that is because imagine, you know, a stakeholder engagement could be within the individual team members, management leaders, that kind of thing. And how often do you hear, I mean, even my own husband, oh, our company's doing some more research, but why bother? They don't do anything with it any, anyway. So it's so important when you start doing some of these research projects that at the other end that action is taken particularly if you're doing something internally with 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 stakeholders that they can see that you are actioning the results that or the the information that they've been compiling yes absolutely yeah i think um you know that's one of the the best ways is to actually prevent change in the business is to continue doing things and then not do anything with it because you're just going to create disengagement among your staff and and no one's really going to want to put the effort involved to make the change because they just see it as you know oh here we go again so yeah you're absolutely right it's um it's really important that you know that the the, um, the research process is actually being used to to drive that change and that people um, understand you know they it's not just a, a process you go through to get to a report you really need to to take the steps that are required to to get there and that's often not very fun and it can be challenging and that's why that mm. um, engagement process up front can actually save you a lot of grief at the end of the process because you've done a lot of that pre work to make sure that everyone is on the bus and everyone does understand what 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 you're trying to achieve and make sure they're willing to put the effort in at the end to get there. Yeah, and I would say that that is correct or true for all of the various groups that you are going to be speaking to. Give them an opportunity to remain in in the the circle of trust, if you will, or in the information. So, in other words, are you interested in learning what what we our findings are and what we're going to be doing with that? Giving them the option because I know if I've participated in in a research project, I'm interested and want to know what we know what was the the data overall and uh, how's that going to be used some people not not so much but i think giving people a choice is that typically what you guys do too well and we typically find that there's it's very rare that a research project doesn't actually touch multiple points of the business so mm. it's almost like it's not necessarily giving a, people a choice but it's making sure that um the business you're working with is aware that actually every part of the the process of their business is probably going to be affected from marketing through to IT to operations. So it's really important that you've got stakeholders involved across all of those different departments. And I heard um, a a talk recently where a a lady from Microsoft used an interesting phrase about getting IT out of the basement. And the point she was trying to make is that today we don't operate in silos anymore you know generally business decisions impact the entire business so we need to be thinking about that integrated approach Uh, and that's why when we undertake market uh, segmentation for example we will at the outset be looking at how is this actually going to integrate with CRM systems and what Mm. are the IT systems that need to to come into play to work to make this work so it's really about taking that organization-wide approach and making sure that everyone across the business understands how this research process is going to impact them and making sure you're actually discussing any challenges that you might face uh, as you go through the process up front and finding solutions to those so they don't become a roadblock at the end of the process. Yeah, sound, we can see how that's so important. Let's talk about why Core Data is partnering with Business Women Australia and you're going to canvas the views of Australian female business leaders. Tell us more about this. 
Yeah, so look, I think the work that BWA is doing is fantastic and what we wanted to do is give a voice to the women who are leading Australia's businesses and importantly to take the debate over gender equality to the next level by actually putting some first-hand insights uh, around the challenges and opportunities that women in the workplace who are in these leadership ship roles um, do, do face, you know, mm. in terms of taking it beyond the well-understood pay gap, which gets a lot of airplay. So I think there are there are much bigger issues that we need to be talking about in terms of how we actually drive grassroots change and uh, change perceptions around uh, how we can um, support women in, in being more successful. So we're hoping that the research will actually drive some debate and discussion around changes that need to be made from a policy perspective, from a support framework perspective that give women a better opportunity to take on some of those senior positions, take on board roles and, and really, you know, be that contribution that we know that women can be uh, in terms of that, that economic impact and, and giving them the potential to participate. Yeah, I cannot wait. And uh, when is that uh, the studies going to, to come out so that you can start to have the conversation? So we've completed the research. Uh, we had over 500 uh, females respond um, across a range of different industry sectors mm -hmm. uh, and some really interesting results. So we'll be sharing the results of that uh, next week, actually, on the 6th of September. Fantastic. Uh, and it'll be um, in, in, promoted in the media after that as well. So um, people will be able to actually access that uh, report and those insights um, either at the presentation if they're based in Perth or uh, through contacting BWA or ourselves to get more information. Yeah, fantastic. So Kristen, if people want to find out more about you and your company, how best to do that? They can go to cordata.com.au for the uh, details on the website. Uh, we've got an office in both Sydney and Perth, um, but happy for them to, to contact me and the Perth uh, number. Uh, they can also follow me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, yeah, I would love to engage and have conversations with anyone that's looking to drive business growth. Terrific. Well, thanks so much again for coming on the show, Kristen. And yes, please reach out. As you can see, she's certainly um, a thought leader in her industry too and getting some great results, which is impacting uh, her clients' business growth. Now, to find out more about Business Women Australia and how you can become part of this dynamic collective of leaders and learners so you can gain the knowledge and skills to enable you to succeed in business, go to businesswomenaustralia.com.au. That's businesswomenaustralia.com.au. Hi, it's Anne-Marie. Have you enjoyed listening to the show and have thought about creating your own podcast so you too can become an influential voice in your industry, but you just don't know where to start? I've created a special gift just for you. It's my free mini training, Podcasting with Purpose, where you'll learn what you need to do to stand out, be heard, and influence your audience from your very first podcast. I'm also giving you my step-by-step -step podcast production workflow checklist, including the tools I use, as well as a checklist of no-cost and low-cost tools to get you started. To access, go to annemariecross.com forward slash mini training. That's annemariecross.com forward slash mini training.